It's time for Tycoons of Small Biz, spotlighting the true backbone of the American economy, the true tycoons of business in America, the owners, founders, and CEOs of small businesses. The show's hosts, Austin Peterson and Landon Nance, are registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker-dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. The views expressed by your hosts, Austin and Landon, are not necessarily the views of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Backbone Planning Partners is a marketing name for registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Now let's lean in as Austin and Landon connect with this week's Tycoons. Good afternoon, Tycoons, and welcome to today's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. I'm your host here, as always, in studio in Tempe, Arizona, and joined by the best co-host in the business live from Las Vegas, Landon Mance. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks, man. Yeah, so Landon's a little under the weather today. You're not going to hear that normal, you know, sexy James James Brown voice that you're used to. You're going to get a little bit more congestion from him today, but... We are excited uh, to have a, you know some guests in, in studio here today. But before we jump into that, if this is the first time you're listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, we'll just give you a little download on what it is that we do here. So Tycoons of Small Biz is a radio program and a podcast that's put together by small business owners for small business owners. Landon and I are both small business owners. We are you know, children and grandchildren of small business owners. Entrepreneurship really runs through our blood. We truly believe that the small business owner is the backbone of the American economy. That's why we've actually named our other day job, so to speak, uh, Backbone Planning Partners, because we truly believe that it is the backbone of the American economy. And we wanted to give a platform and an opportunity for small business owners to tell their stories. So with that said today, we definitely have a couple of tycoons in the in the studio with us today. We've got Karina Burton and Patrick Mays. They are co-owners of CPR Construction Cleaning here in Arizona. So Patrick and Karina, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited to have you guys in here. And, uh, and you know, we know a little bit of your story because we've had some interactions uh, previous to the show. We always have a pre-qualification call with our with our potential guests, but we've also had some other interactions that we may or may not get into uh, in the show as well. But before we jump in, let's start with you, Karina. We always have our guests tell us a little bit about themselves personally. So, you know, where did you grow up? Do you have a family? Are you married? Do you have kids? What did you study in school? You know, just kind of give us your background and how you got to where you are today with CPR construction cleaning. Well, my background, I grew up in a small town just outside of Yosemite National Park, which is in California. It's northern central. Um, beautiful, but very small town. I went to school there until I was in high school, and then I graduated. I was really into musical theater. So I was accepted into the theater, the musical theater program at Cal State Fullerton, which is the school right next to um, Disneyland Anaheim. So a lot of my peers were working there. Go Titans. Yeah. I'm an alum of Cal State Fullerton. Are you really? I am. (laughs) I I absolutely loved that school. When I walked on that campus, I knew that was where I wanted to go. Um, But early on, I didn't foresee myself. I didn't, you know, go to that school having a relationship, but um, I ended up getting married really, really young. I was 18 when I got married um, or when I got engaged and then uh, 19 when I got married. So I started my family life actually quite early. I was 19 when I found out I was pregnant and then 20 when I had my first daughter. Um, So for 10 years, my, my 20s, I had three beautiful children. And I was a stay-at-home mom. So it's kind of a fun story to share with people, you know, throughout the industry about you can accomplish your dreams, even though maybe initially you didn't start off that way. Um, You can still achieve them and have the success that you've always wanted. So for me, that was really my background. Um, I was married for 10 years and I ended up out of that relationship, I really, you know, and to make this enjoyable, I'm going to let you know that um, I felt like I, I wasn't supported at all, right? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to just come out of the gates and be like, this is my story. But really, I didn't feel supported at all. So I made a decision, became a single parent of three daughters, no college education, no real work 
background. And um, that's really how I started my journey. And I got into sales and business development. And over the last 10 years, it was a grind of learning how to be a single parent, um, be successful, and try to become an entrepreneur. I had um, two other entrepreneur experiences, and both did not work out very well. Um, I definitely experienced um, a lot of knowledge, but a lot of loss financially. And, you know, what do they say through the ashes is when, um, you know, the roses are, you know, bloom. And that is literally two months after where I felt like I had hit rock bottom. Two months later, we uh, created CPR construction cleaning. Um, I We really didn't have any financial backing behind that. I was not in a financial state to be able to uh, pursue that, you know, but all things came together. Um, I don't want to get too much into that because I'm sure you're probably going to ask a lot of those questions. But, you know, my my story and my background of my life and my career has a lots of twists and turns in it. It's not um, your, I guess, typical, what I hope for my daughters. I would rather have them have a little bit more, you know, structure. I Five years ago, I remarried. Um, so I am married again, and I have another beautiful daughter. So I have four amazing daughters. They range from 17 to five years old. And, um, you know, for them, I, I hope that their journey in life is easier, but I'm glad that I can help them through these roadmaps of how life can be very, very unexpected and its twists and turns. Yeah. So <clears throat> we'll definitely dig in more to the failures because honestly, that that is where we learn the most. Right. I, I think, you know, too many people think that entrepreneurs just have great successes, right? And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you know, you're going to become Elon Musk or, you know, whatever. But the reality is, Elon said his failures. Everybody that you can think of today that is a famous business person has had failures either along the way or in separate businesses. And so I think that there will be a lot that we'll, that we'll unpack there if you're, if you're okay with that, for sure. Absolutely. I yeah. am kind of an open book. I feel like it's really important for um, an entrepreneurial journey to be exposed in its truest self because it helps people have a realistic idea of what that entails, right? And to give people hope too, because I think that there are so many people who are like, well, I don't have the money. I don't have the support. I have children. um, I don't have X, Y, and Z. And then they automatically feel like they're not a candidate for their dreams and their desires. And that's not the case. It's really truly your mindset on how are you going to achieve it? And once you start making those steps, you're going to start seeing that Everything will fall into place, but you have to be prepared to work hard for it and make sacrifices, take risks, see the loss. But in the end, you're ultimately going to find the true success that you're looking for. Um, And you also find the people who will support you, right? Like, ultimately, I did find my my partner in life, um, my husband. And then, obviously, I found the right business partner, right? I've had two successes or two failed attempts with two business partners um, that could have scared me to be like, I never want to do this again with someone. You know, I want to do it on my own. But that wasn't the case. I just knew that I needed to find the right person to take that journey with me. Because as you know, being an entrepreneur, you know, some people think having a business partner it really can be complicated, but if you find the right person, oh my gosh, it makes things a million times easier because it's the, it's the yin and yang. Like you drive a business together, but you're driving it in different lanes, but at the same time. And it makes your success, it can, it can catapult it much quicker than trying to carry everything on your back and, you know, it'd be exhausting to a point where you know, it may make someone feel like they can't continue on. But when you have the right partners and the right people in your, in your corner, right? Like people like to say your tribe, then you can do anything, right? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I'm sure Landon will have a lot to share about uh, the importance of having a fantastic partner. But <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let's jump to Patrick for a minute and let uh, Patrick tell us a little bit about his background. Yeah, so uh, a, a little bit different than Karina. Um, my my wife and I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah, just a, a suburb of Utah. 
Um, I I fell into the facility maintenance industry um, when I was 20 years old. Um, I've now 38, so I've uh, been in the industry now for about 30 or 18 years. Um, I had the opportunity to marry my high school sweetheart. Uh, my wife and I are going on 18 years of marriage. I'm sorry, 19 years of marriage uh, uh, this next year. We've adopted three beautiful kids, um, ranging from 13 to four. Love that. It keeps us very, uh, keeps still keeps us going and, and active, uh, you know, with their lifestyles and what they've got going on in their lives. Facility maintenance industry for 18 years, primarily in the, the commercial janitorial space. Um, I've, you know, I've had successes in my career, uh, but that's come with, you know, sacrifice from my wife and my, my family. Uh, we've moved multiple times across the country. Uh, we started in Utah, uh, you know, in facility maintenance, and then we moved to Denver, lived in Denver for a few years, uh, then relocated to Minnesota. We were in Minnesota for a year. And we've now been in beautiful um, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona now for six years. Um, actually, this this uh, next month, November, we're going to be celebrating six years uh, of being here in Arizona. Um, and I, it, for me, I've, I've um, it's kind of been the opposite. I haven't had quite the opportunities um, that Karina's had from an entrepreneur standpoint, but I have had the success from a business standpoint to where the last 10 years or so of my career, um, I've had the opportunity to you know, uh, work for other individuals and run companies, run regions, run divisions, et cetera. And, and again, those kind of segue into some of your questions, but that's kind of where, where Karina and I, you know, hooked up and, and initially started working uh, was for a large nationwide uh, janitorial company. And that's really where we started uh, planting the the seed and the idea uh, with one another uh, to eventually start our own thing and get going. And here we are now working and running uh, CPR. Awesome. No, Sorry, I was, no, I was just going to say, I, I do laugh about that because the company that where Patrick and I initially met, they, they were really adamant about finding the two people who were rock star business development, rock star operations. Like, it's kind of like if you're watching a TV show um, where you're trying to find your, you know, companion, but this is for, you know, business, right? And they found the right match. And the reality was, is that we were meant to do something, obviously, in the future together and create something amazing. And so I'm always like, thank you, company who did that. (laughs) Because I never would have met Patrick, you know, if it wasn't for that, um, for that situation. Yeah, and I think I, I think that's interesting to see, you know, the way that that came together. You guys worked for a company, you didn't know each other previously. They matched you up, mm-hmm. you know, Patrick on the operations side, right? I've got that correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and then you on the business development side, Karina. But the odd thing that you mentioned right before we went live is that you do actually live about a mile from each yeah. other, correct? And didn't even know each other before that, right? It's very true. I know, and and actually walking in, I kind of laughed and I said. <laughs> We're just going to say that. <laughs> Were you going to say that? Yep. See, we're so different, but we are so alike in so many ways. It's crazy because um, like just the way we think, we're always like, yes, that's we're in, the, we're in the same alignment. But the things that he's very passionate about is, you know, he's very organized, you know, has very strong analytics and will make sure that he's got plan A to Z. And I'm like this dreamer and like, I've dreamed up this dream, Patrick. Now execute it. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's get it together. And so, but yet, like our similarities and the way that we think is exact is typically, I would say, like ninety eight percent. We're always like on right. the same page. And even if we don't initially see the same, if we're having um, some kind of different, uh, like a difference of opinions, we'll talk about it, and then um, we'll always see the other other person's perspective. And that's the cool thing about, you know, when you find that right person in business is that you may not always agree with everything, but at least when you do have that discussion, you will understand that person's perspective and honor it and respect it. So, yeah, it's funny because we're like literally yin and yang, but yet we're like exactly the same (laughs) at the same time. Like that's a real thing. (laughs) Agreed. Yeah. So it, it, so I want to get into this a little bit, but Landon, why don't you talk a little bit about how our partnership came together and, and you know, the similarities of their story with ours. And then and then we'll talk about the history of your company and you guys getting getting started. How's that sound? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Sounds good. Yeah. So similar to you, uh, uh, Karina, I've had <clears throat> I've had not not multiple, but I had a 
uh, horribly failed uh, business partnership a couple years ago. So I was kind of under that that same, um, I guess, fear, if you will, you know, of of getting into a, a new partnership with somebody. But um, yeah, I mean, similar to what you said about you know about Patrick, you know, when you when you find somebody to partner up with, you're going to realize that clearly there have to be similarities between your personalities and your business style and your approach and your vision to building. But at the same time, there also has to be those, those stark differences, you know, because people are good at doing, you know, different things. And uh, that plays out, you know, really well with Austin and I, you know, we have been getting to know each other for, it's been probably close to six years now. And, uh, you know, we just formalized our partnership uh, earlier this year. You know, we, we kind of informally were, were partners uh, last year, but we made it official when we merged our practices together and rebranded under the same under the same name. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I just agree with everything that you said. You know, you have to have those differences because uh, one person is typically that person that has this vision and you know has the shiny odd object <laughs> syndrome yeah and the other person is the one that lassos them in and pulls them back into reality but but also helps to move things forward in a really positive cohesive you know direction so um yeah my, my hat's off to you guys and you guys have a really cool story and i'm excited to unpack it a little bit further and um on that note you know what, one of the things that i think is is really unique about you guys is that you're, I mean, I guess technically you would still be considered a startup uh, right. because yeah. you're only what, one one to two years old? Just yeah, over just... two years. Yeah. August, we celebrated our 24, 22 years. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, I mean, you know, in the, in the business world, you guys are, you know, you guys are still kind of brand yeah. new, but the difference is, is that you guys have had some pretty significant success in these two years. So that's why it's really unique. You're still, you're still a startup. You guys have seen some tremendous growth over the last 24 months. And now you're kind of in this stage where you are, uh, you're continuing to grow, but you're also exploring other opportunities to support you guys, you know, in that growth. So um, before we kind of unpack any of that, let me just ask you guys so everybody knows, you know, who is CPR Construction Cleaning and, you know, what, what do you guys do? CPR Construction Cleaning. Well, I, everyone always asks about our name, but I mean, we had a lunch one day. So I'm just going to talk about the generics of like what people always ask is what does CPR mean? Um, so obviously it's Karina Patrick and we just had lunch and we just were like, let's come up with this name. And we just like CPR. Construction cleaning. Okay. <laughs> we literally, that's was, like, that is as simplistic as it gets. Correct. Um, we still need to come up with a really good R that's going to really like make it an even more wow story to it. But I, I kind of laughed and I was like, it makes sense. Like we're here to revive construction cleaning because the reality is construction cleaning has been a, has been a niche market that people have overlooked for decades and we have come into this space to specialize a cleaning that really needed some TLC. And we wanted clients to stop having this low expectation because really that's all they had. So, you know, when you're expecting a 75 to 80% quality clean, you're just kind of like, okay, well, it is what it is. What can I do? And, you know, we've had clients where they, you know, would prep their clients just so you know. It's not going to be as clean and meticulous as you think it is. So you're going to probably have to hire in someone else in the back end because this is as good as we're going to get it for you. And so, um, you know, at this lunch, I want to be Mrs. Chatty Cathy over here, but um, <laughs> so you can chime in whenever you want to. But I had brought it up to um, Patrick because I had left the, you know, partnership that I was in and my background is in restoration services. I didn't say that initially. Um, most of my career has been in emergency restorations. Um, so for me, 
you know, having these job opportunities that were essentially, I guess people would consider them as one-off, right? Because you have a flood and it really only happens during emergencies, right? Coming into a space that essentially is in the same style, it doesn't have um, reoccurring contracts. It didn't scare me, right? Like I've sold millions and millions of dollars in restoration services. So I'm like, you know, when I'm thinking about this concept, it didn't make me feel nervous because most people, the reason why they don't get into this space is because of that. They're very like hooked on janitorial. And Patrick's background is in janitorial and facility maintenance. So, you know, I had a client in the construction world ask me like, I don't know why, but well, I feel like it was intervention. It was like, you know, the universe saying, Karina, you need to do this, even though I didn't know. But I literally had multiple people ask me, the company you work for, because I, you know, had jump shipped, just randomly started working for another company that was in the industry just to kind of figure out what am I going to do with my life. And so I had these clients in the construction uh, industry say, does your company offer construction cleaning? And I was like, what? No, <laughs> we don't. And then I started, you know, I, and I got asked a second time and I'm like, okay, there is something about this construction cleaning that is an issue. And so, you know, I asked Patrick about construction cleaning and um, I'm just going to back up a little bit, but like in the reason why I've had such success in um, growing and building businesses and generating large profits for the companies I worked for was because I would always find the problem. What is the problem in any industry I was in? Find the solution. So it didn't matter if I was in an overly saturated industry. It didn't matter if I was in janitorial, if I was in restoration, carpet cleaning, it didn't matter because I would always find that niche in that particular service that needed a solution. And so I kind of like put this light bulb in my head, like this is clearly an issue. So I think that's what we're going to do. We're going to create a solution for it. And so when I brought it to Patrick's attention um, and I was at, at this lunch where we literally developed everything at this one lunch he was like, hell yeah, this is it. This is what we're going to do. And we basically ran with it. Um, and it hasn't stopped since that moment. Yeah, we've it been just, on fire since. Yeah. It's been great. Yeah, that's awesome. I think, you know, it's um, it's one of these things where when we, so we we spent some time, we went through your pitch deck, Landon and I did, and, and right. kind of gave you some feedback on that. And the thing that shocked me was that there was not a company out there that specifically did construction cleaning. Like that shocked me. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I grew up in the construction industry. My dad was a stucco contractor. My uncle was a stucco contractor. We've developed real estate. We've built spec homes, you know, and Landon has some real estate background. It's shocking to me that there's not a company really out there that specializes in construction cleaning. You know, there's these companies that do, that do it as part of their mm-hmm. services. Correct. Right. Yep. But they they don't specifically focus on construction cleaning. And so, you know, I've got another idea. 20% stake is all I ask. <laughs> um, and this is from this is from personal experience. So I just got back. My wife, so you're from Utah, you'll you'll know this. My I was at on BYU campus last week. My wife was presenting a paper that she that she had published for the Sperry Symposium. And then they were also dedicating an archive for some refugee work that she does, right? And we stayed in an Airbnb. We stayed in three Airbnbs over the last 10 days because we also went to Idaho to visit our daughter in school and whatever. But we got to this Airbnb in Draper, Utah on Sunday night, and it was about 9.30. And we walk into this basement apartment that we'd rented for my wife and I to stay in while we were there. And there were dirty dishes in the sink, dirty towels hanging up in the bathroom. The bed was unmade. Clearly, the cleaning crew had not been there to right. turn over mm-hmm. that, you know, Airbnb. Right. And so it makes it made me think of you guys, knowing that you guys were coming up on the show. And I thought, I wonder if there's groups out there that specifically focus on Airbnb cleaning turnover. Right. And so it's another niche. That yeah. There yeah. may be a group. I didn't do any research, but I thought of you guys when I walked in. I thought, you got to be kidding me. And luckily... They also rent the upstairs and it was empty. And so we were able to sleep up there that night while they came and cleaned, you know, cleaned the yeah. next morning. But it's a problem, right? It's little Correct. it's little things like that. You guys are dealing with it in the construction industry. 
Airbnbs dealing in it and, you know, with the fact there's got to be a quick turnover. And if you don't have, this is key for you guys, mm-hmm. crews that you can count on to go in and do the job the way that you guys specify it in the time frame that you specify, you're still going to have those same problems. Right? Correct. Yeah. And that's something that uh, that's that we deal with, or I guess, you know, clients deal with in the construction space. Uh, Austin, as you say, that is, I know actually no people, my, my mom actually runs a business up in Colorado. She lives in a small town up in Colorado and she actually, it's her and two of the ladies who run a cleaning, small cleaning, but that's all they do is Airbnbs, ironically. So my point to that though, is most of our competition, when you think of comp, when we think of comp, our competition, it's usually smaller mom and pop companies who can't handle the volume or the type of projects that we're doing. And I, I really believe that's another reason why we've had the success. I mean, most of the big projects you guys see here in town in Phoenix anyways, and probably Utah as well, when it comes to construction, we're, we're on it or we're going to be on it because there are, they're just, there are not companies who are well-equipped to be able to handle larger projects, right? So anyway, that's part of the reason we've had the success we've yeah. had. And it's like what you were saying, most if not all companies, I, I mean, there's one company, I won't say the name of it, but there, most companies offer it as an additional service, right? Like this is how janitorial companies are even uh, made service is we do, you know, this is, they're going to always tell you their uh, bread and butter on the top, right? Cause that's the list of importance. And then construction cleanings like at the very bottom. And that just goes to show though, where the importance is. So if, they're busy. If they don't have people, guess who's going to be kicked, like <laughs> considered less important for them? It's going to be construction cleaning. So, you know, the quality isn't there. But not only is it that, you know, people are not looking at it as a specialized trade is that, you know, and I like to try to explain this to my clients like this, right? Why would you have a pool cleaning company come and build your pool? Because cleaning is not it's not going to be equal, right? Somebody who comes and cleans somebody somebody's home, like a maid, is not the same as coming in and doing janitorial and dumping out the trash and, you know, making sure that you're hitting every room and vacuuming. It's it's a completely different trade. But when it comes to construction cleaning, it is completely night and day from janitorial. It should not even be in the same space of like, if you're going to offer that, it should be a completely different. Your your team who's on there should be completely different. Your management should be completely different. Your style of execution is going to be completely different. And the beauty, though, of back, uh, Patrick's background is the collaboration between the really great things that come from janitorial that he's able to blend it in with our construction cleaning almost giving it this experience of a class A experience, right? Like we have people who are not just managers and leaders, but we have quality control people as well, or, you know, team members who ensure the quality that our clients are going to be receiving. And it really should be like, I think that people as they're, you know, as we're growing as a company, they're seeing that like there is a major difference between the two. And it's great to finally have someone who actually puts it on a pedestal of care. And with the pandemic and everything, clean is perceived differently, right? It It's not just about does that countertop look clean? I want it to make me feel clean. Has it been disinfected and all right. the things, right? So it's not just about appearance. It's about how well you're actually cleaning. So it's just we're entering a completely different world when it comes to quality of cleaning, what that means to society today. Yeah. So, Patrick, unpack that a little bit for us. Tell us a little bit about the process that you guys go through in whatever you guys do most, whether it's commercial or residential, or maybe you do both equally and, you know, what does the process look like and how are you able to control that from a quality standpoint at all of these different locations? Yeah, good question. So first, I want to put this out there because a lot of a lot of people think when we're talking about construction cleaning, you think of like a home, right, residential or something like that. We actually uh, don't do a lot of residential. Uh, we do, I would say, probably 95% of what we do is commercial. And I, I would I would bundle apartment, new multifamily apartment complex with that commercial, because that's a, a big part of, you know, Karina mentioned the word bread and butter, part of our bread and butter 
um, are, is multifamily. And so we do a ton of multifamily. From a, a process standpoint, quality control, um, as Karina mentioned, it, first of all, when it, it starts with our frontline um, staff, right? Our frontline um, staff, um, they they really are everything to us. I mean, it's it's with, without those, you know, that those um, men and women, uh, women uh, mostly, um, we wouldn't be able to do what we, you know, what we're able to do and offer the, you know, the services that we offer. Um, so number one is, you know, making sure that we have the right team and the right people, um, you know, being able to execute the actual work and, and meeting the expectations. Um, as Karina mentioned, one of the things that we've implemented and in, in, uh, this will probably be the only small piece of secret sauce I'll share since you asked the question, Austin, <laughs> is we do have quality control managers out there. This is something that, uh, as you mentioned, an Airbnb, right? I'll use that as an example, right? If if that company who someone's cleaning that space, they just didn't clean it that day or the you know when they were supposed to, we have quality control managers that we've hired, and so instead of Karina and I taking additional profits or whatever, we've reinvested a lot of our money back into the business where we're hiring this, you know, mid-level manager position as a quality control manager. And we have managers in each of our major markets that where they're going around and their job literally is to ensure they're going by job by job, making sure that quality control is on point. They're, you know, they're auditing, inspecting the location, the, the project, they're walking through. Um, the goal is ultimately to even do what we what we consider kind of a joint audit with our clients. Um, they're walking with the actual clients, doing inspections, right, making sure the quality is there. Um, but it's to ensure exact situations, as you mentioned, as the Airbnb is so that you know a client doesn't show up tomorrow morning and say, "What the heck? CPR was supposed to be here yesterday and nothing was cleaned." Right. So that's kind of our safety net, if you will, from a quality perspective, is that we have this layer of quality control managers that are out there that are ensuring. And, and again, we're trusting the process that our cleaners are out there doing what they're supposed to be doing, and they're you know they're they're being paid to do a job. But just to ensure that we're you know, and Karina on her side, but when she's out there you know selling the business and telling clients, hey, we're the best, right? She she knows she can go to bed at night knowing that we're able to back it up and actually execute. And so we you know we have this, uh, this these quality control managers out there that are. They're amazing, and then we have this whole process where you know we're getting client sign-offs and, and signatures and whatnot, so uh, to make to ensure that you know that the clients in agreement with the quality of work that we're that we're providing. And in in two years of business, just over two years now, I can honestly say we get very very few. I mean, we're not perfect by any means. I, I do say that we're the best, and I would I would be willing to put our services up against anyone else um, out there. But uh, we're not perfect by any means, right? But uh, with that said. Um, uh, we we get very very few uh, minimal complaints and it's it's amazing so it's great. So last follow up question of that and then I'll let Landon ask Karina specifically about the failures that we talked about earlier because I think we're going to learn something here at the end of the show on that. But do you guys use technology in the different checklists or are these paper checklists? What have you, what have you guys done? You know for that. That's a great question, and part of part of the the deck that you guys you guys mentioned the pitch deck, and we won't uh, depending on how much time you guys want to talk about that. So yes, we have um, a cloud based system today that's really in uh, what we're calling it's in beta mode, really right. But the ultimate goal is 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 we look to to bring on some additional partners um, potentially. Is we want to get a cloud based system, which I've worked with in the past, and as Karina mentioned, from my my background, um, I've utilized a system like this. There's only one system that I'm aware of that actually. Uh, encompasses everything that we want to do, but it's going to be a cloud-based system. Someone can have their iPad or their cell phone. And they're going to be able to do these inspections from their tablets or their phones and then have the client sign off, give a grade, et cetera, from their actual tablet and phone. Um, but today, we're, it's a kind of combination of both. While we've got that in beta mode, and then um, a lot of it is just paper track trail right now. Uh, but the goal is we are moving over to where that's all going to be cloud-based. Awesome. Yeah, I got one follow-up question for you, Patrick. <clears throat> Excuse me. Why do you guys take it to the level that you take it to when it comes to ensuring that you guys are doing what you say that you're going to do for your clients? Why do we take it the level that we take it to? I mean, I that's a good question, um, Lana, but I, honestly, my initial response is, is when you do something or you, um, you know, you, you put a, a goal out there to go do something. I mean, if you're not going to give it your all and be the best, I mean, why do it at all? Right. So I don't I don't I mean, that's that's a really good question. And I, you know, just kind of my initial thought is, um, you know, Karina and I going in business together and, and starting this business. I mean, if we're not going to be the best, I don't know why we would do it. Right. And it, and, it's, and again, for us specifically, we, we feel like we are kind of blazing a new trail. Now, we're not we're not creating a new 
will here. I mean, again, someone's been doing construction cleaning for all these years. But like Karina said, the, the bar has been set so low that all we're trying to do is really, you know, reset the bar and expectations when it comes to this specific industry. But yeah, I mean, that's, you know, my initial thought is, you know, if you're going to set out to to do something, why not try to be the best or be the best? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to come, if for us, you know, we came in and said, we're going to be a solution to a problem. You know, I'm going to do my damnedest to be the best solution possible. But not only that, you know, there is opportunity for evolution and growth within our company, which we have been creating. Um, And you probably saw in the pitch deck in regards to our our sustainability and environmental um, waste. And that's something that is really that we're really passionate about as well, knowing that there is a major issue with waste in our country um, due to construction and you know, utilizing technology, which is, you know, where we're moving towards having that be a major component in our business, it's going to be able to track that for other GCs to help them to, you know, for them, it's going to be more clout, more, you know, so they can use it on their, um, when they're trying to win bids and things like that. But also, you know, for us as a company, it's, if we have the opportunity to be a solution in, in regards to construction cleaning on every level, then that's what we're going to be. And that's what will always dif- differentiate ourselves from anyone else in the industry. So, <clears throat> I don't. Uh, I don't pretend to know very much about construction. Austin, and I have uh, several clients that own, you know, successful construction companies. So I'm, I'm familiar with it on on the business side, but not so much on the rolling up your sleeve, getting your, you know, your your shoes and jeans dirty, doing the work. You know, I I can barely hang a picture on my own. So that's. That's really why I partnered with Austin. But, uh, I can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Karina, maybe just for a second, share with us, like, what it is that 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 your your team of folks that are out there, you know, boots on the ground, actually doing the physical work of construction cleaning. Like, what are they actually doing? You know, in my head, I envision. You know, some men and women with those brushel brooms, you know, sweeping up the the concrete floors and the piles and, you know, taking it down to the dumpster. But I, I really don't really don't know what that consists of. So why don't you kind of share with us what they're actually doing in the work and, and maybe the different phases of a construction process and, and, you know, the work that they're doing, those different phases or just however you think it's relevant. Yeah, of course. So it's really going to be very dependent on the project itself. But, you know, to kind of give like a big overview of what a large project would consist of, um, let's use a multifamily project. They're going to require a initial clean, which is going to be called a rough clean, right? And that's really just dust, uh, knocking the dust off the walls and making sure that it's, you know, the dust is controlled in the space because you'd be amazed when you're walking into these spaces, how dusty, I mean, it is like a couple feet of dust just from the debris and everything around the the area of how bad it can really get. So having these um, different uh, stages of clean before you get to a final clean, which is right when it's about to be move-in ready, um, it's really important. So, you know, our crew has to be able to maneuver around other trades that are going to be there, right? You have your drywallers, you have your electrical, your plumbing, and for them to know, you know, this is the area we need to come in and come and do the cleaning, you know, just utilizing basic tools. And when it comes to, you know, wiping and cleaning and, you know, making sure that the window sills are, you know, tidy enough, but it's not going to be a perfect stage. It's not, you know, you're going to come in and still see fingerprints and things like that. It's really just controlling the dust in the area. And then when you get on to uh, the second phase, which is um, a final clean, that's when you really come in and you start doing all the detailed work and making sure that the floors are meticulous and there's no uh, mop marks and the windows are cleaned and, 
you know, depending on what they're looking for specifically, um, you know, if it's exterior windows and we'll have um, specialized um, window cleaners that are on our team that will come and do the exterior window cleaning. Um, but our guys and gals on the team doing the interior cleaning, it's really going to be basic materials that are still, Patrick, help me out here. Cause I feel like he, he talks about this more than I do. Cause he, he does go out in the field, but it's, I mean, it is basic. Um, you, you've got your, your, um, backpack vacuums, your mops, brooms, your cleaning supplies, your rags, like it's not really rocket science when it comes to that type of cleaning, but it's the detailed. It's being Attention meticulous. It's it's really taking your time, you know. And and um, I don't. I just didn't want to like dumb it down, right? Like I didn't want it to sound yeah. like that. So that's why I'm like, this is, how, this is how I describe it, Landon. <laughs> so it, it's a top. It's a top down clean, right? So your room that you're in right now. Do you think of any room? And it obviously the size of the room could be large, small, whatever the size of property, but. We really do a top-down clean. So you're cleaning, we're cleaning everything from light fixtures to, you know, the ceiling vents, walls, baseboards, windows, drawers. We're vacuuming in and outside of drawers. I mean, it's it's everything from ceiling to floor and everything in between is how I like to describe it to clients. Um, and mostly, to Karina's point, the attention to detail is what's missed mm-hmm. most times by other other companies. And so, uh, you know, you, you can walk into a room, you're like, oh, man, this looks really great. It looks clean. And then you start noticing, you know, stuff in the corners and then you open up the drawer, you know, in some of the cabinets or something and there's dust all over in the cabinets or whatever. And it's the, that attention to detail that we make sure that we're going above and beyond. Yeah. Our crew is really cute, though, because we have some people on our team who they like to make sure that everybody on their team has like all the tools necessary to make their life easier. And I think that's what, you know, we we don't have like a high turn- turnover with our um, team because, you know, everyone who's on there like puts their love and passion into cleaning. So it's not just like, you know, oh, let's throw all of our supplies in a, you know, a bucket. It's like meticulous. If you need this type of scraper, if you need this type of solution, um, you know, our team leads will literally bring these like organized buckets for their their cleaning team <laughs> to make sure that they feel like they have what they need. Um, I think that's the the fun part for me, and I love seeing. Um, the team dynamic like that because when you when you put that love and attention into something that's even simplistic, right? Like the tools that you're using, but you have everything you need, it makes that job so much easier um, for everyone involved. And it, there's no excuses, right? Like I couldn't do X, Y, and Z because I didn't have something. But the reality is, when you have everything, then you have the ability to do your best job. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think that, you know, sometimes it gets overused by employees, let's be honest. But, you know, you hear frequently, well, you didn't give me the tools to succeed. Right. Right. And so it's important as the team lead in your situation for the team leader to provide that to the rest Mm -hmm. of the team so that they have that ability. They know that their team leader cares about them. The team leader knows that you guys care about them and, and you're giving them everything that they need to be successful because you guys have set the bar high, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know that you've set the bar high you, and, you know, you didn't have that far to go from where it was before, it sounds yeah. like. But setting it higher and higher at all times is what allows you guys to be finding the success that you've had thus far, yeah. right? I mean, your pitch deck shows us this, your your website shows us, you know, some of the companies that you guys have contracts with are very well-known big companies mm-hmm. throughout the country, which gives you guys a great growth trajectory. Right. Right. And and so we, you know, we can talk about, you know, what, what the future holds. But before we go to the future, so I'll have Patrick talk about the future. But Karina, I want to I want to talk a little bit about what you said at the very beginning. So Landon and I both have spouses that are very um, supportive. Mm-hmm. Right. I've been married for 23 years. Landon's been married 12. No, six years. Six. Been together for. <laughs> yeah, almost 12. Yeah. Yeah. So. um <clears throat> But we have, you know, very supportive spouses that help us do what we do, right? Mm -hmm. We have our business, we have the podcast, we have other things that we're involved in. We're away from the family and our spouses are very supportive and help us, you know, to do that. It sounds like you didn't have that in your first marriage. So talk to us a little bit about what that looks like and, and, you know, how you overcame that and what's different today and what you guys are building. That is actually the first time I was ever asked that question. So I'm like have to try and sum it up in my brain. 
hard get hard hitting questions that tycoons of small business. It's okay. It's okay. I think I can handle it. But you know, my story is is kind of a, a deep one. So you know, I want to make sure I can sum it up for you. But um, you know, I think initially when, because I got married so young and the type of lifestyle that I was. Um, born into, right? It was very conservative. And um, I didn't really have as many, I felt like freedoms. And so I was really segregated and put into a box. You are supposed to get married. You are supposed to have children. You are supposed to be a stay-at-home mom. You are supposed to clean the house, make sure that your husband has um, dinner and it needs, to, it cannot be just any dinner. <laughs> Like it has to be, make sure that it had like, you know, the like four course meal type deal. Like that's just really how I was raised. And, you know, this is generational beliefs that I had been put into and um, love my family, but I had to really pull myself out of that. Um, and, and knowing that that way of thinking and believing wasn't the right way, even though I had to really step outside by myself and all alone. I had to make these decisions, which I'm very grateful I did because here I am today. And also my family and those who didn't support me initially have really seen like the light and have realized that I was correct. And it's just kind of learning, right? Like as you go. But so when I started to try and get out of this you know, this concept of like, this is who I'm supposed to be, but yet there's something inside of me saying, you have so much more to give. You know, you, you have this ability, you have these opportunities, and yet you are not being seen as this. And literally, I had no money. I had no idea what I was doing. I had a year of college really under my belt. And um, I had three kids at that time. So I really had to make that decision. Like when you step out and you go on your own, it is a no fail zone because your, your children are depending on you. So, you know, it really built me up to finally see my capabilities, which I'm really grateful for. So for, you know, this has been a 10 year journey from that moment to today, actually. And for the first five four years, actually, because four or five, oh my gosh, I don't remember. It's like four or five years. Um, I was a single parent of my three daughters and I had to provide for them on my own. And um, I'm really grateful for that experience because it really showed me what I was capable of and what I could achieve. And it also helped me to see things completely differently. Um, and so when I met my now husband, really loved about me was my ambition. <laughs> and he was like, there is no way in hell I'm going to stop you from what you are, like your journey. And I want to join this journey with you. And so when um, we got married and we had our baby, you know, I was kind of nervous. I'm like, what is this going to look like? Cause I'd never, you know, I had, when I was a single parent, my youngest child was three, but I had my sister helping me so I could work full time. But really for most of my children, I stayed at home, especially when they were first born. So I was like, what am I going to do? This is really scary. Um, but having someone who believes in me and being there to support me, it then reiterated to me that, um, your roles in life though, are not what life teaches you, right? Like for me, it's not, um, a masculine and feminine role. It's about partnership and it's about who's, who is, um, going to do what, but it's not like a woman has to do this and a man has to do that. It's a, it's really, truly a partnership and a blend. And that's really what has allowed me to continue to thrive in this entrepreneurial journey and be successful. And he actually works for our company. Um, he creates all of our um, digital marketing. He is like a guru when it comes to that, which has been a blessing. So it's been fun to see him become a part of our team in that area. But I'm so grateful to have a different dynamic because, you know, if I was continued to be in a role where it's like, 
for me personally, right? Like everyone's going to be different, but for me, I needed to have the freedoms and the ability and the support from my partner to be able to do things that I guess wouldn't be a typical mom role, I guess. You know, he does a lot of the pickups for me, for me with the kids and he's an amazing stepdad. So, you know, I'm like, the reality is I don't, it's been so many years. So I, I like feel sad, like it's weird saying this, but I don't know if I could do this without him. Right. Like, like he does so much for me. So, you know, it's really amazing to see that I could, I could have done it like the first five years I was doing it and doing it all on my own. And now I'm like, wow, this is such a comfortable, um, and beautiful place to be in with someone who's fully supports you. Even if you don't fit the stereotypes or the mold of, you know, what that ideal situation would be like. Um, yeah, no, I, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. I think that it's a it's a great lesson for a lot of people of what you can overcome. Right. Mm-hmm. It did make me think of one of my wife's sisters that had they had only girls. Mm-hmm. Right. So they had five daughters and their youngest is now probably 20. I think she just turned 23. So they're you know, they're grown now. But in their uh, mudroom of their house, there was always a sign that said, put on your big girl panties and deal with it, mm-hmm. right? Or something to that effect, which, you know, I, I think that it was it was about empowerment. It was about yeah. saying, look, you, you're not less than because you're a girl. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you can't go out and do anything that you yeah. want to do. And so I think that that's empowering. It's it's unfortunate that you had a husband that wasn't as supportive mm-hmm. before. and uh, And we love, you know, a comeback story. So we, yeah. we appreciate you, you sharing that. I think that's not to like drag this topic on, but the whole empowering thing, the, re- the reality is, is that men and women both face um, struggles and difficulties, but women innately have so many more barriers that we have to overcome because of society and how we've been stereotyped in certain ways. And so you know, for, for me, I'm always like, I want to empower everybody, but if I can, because I have four daughters, especially, and I want to see them thrive. I'm like, if I can help another woman to see that they are not their current situation, that they can be whatever they want to be, regardless, regardless of not having money, not having support, having everyone think you're essentially like, you know, an outcast, you can still achieve everything you want in life. And be happy. And then, you know, have the people who doubted you see and be like, damn, you were right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I got to put this in here. I I listened to a a conference or like a webinar earlier today on overconfidence, right? And we all know as entrepreneurs that it's important to be confident, but overconfidence can be a bad thing, right? And they, you know, they shared some statistics. And so the, the first thing that they shared was, 82% 82% of drivers believe that they're better than average drivers, right? Classic overconfidence, right? Because <laughs> yeah. right? not 82% yeah. can be better than right. average, right? It's even worse for men. This this statistic will shock you. Well, it probably won't shock you, but it's crazy to listen to. 94% of all men believe that they are better looking and more athletic than average. 94%. <laughs> wow. So there's your there's a there's a another concrete example of the difference between men and women, yeah. right? Because I guarantee you, women ninety four percent of women do not believe that right. they're better looking or more athletic than average. That wow. is true. I know, and that's the whole mindset thing. And you know, women have this beautiful nature of having um, emotions that can sometimes be very powerful, and it can either overcome you or it can create you. And, you know, being in a male dominated industry, which I've been in for the last 10 years, um, you know, I get asked that a lot of like, why did I choose this industry? And I love it. I love because it needs to, I can see that um, the characteristics of women and the traits, not, not what we look like. Because when you do business with people, it's not about, you know, your exterior appearance or anything like that. It is really what your person brings to the table and women bring such an amazing characteristics and opportunities and differentiations that construction world really, really needs. And I really feel like they are, um, they're embracing more and more as well because, you know, for such a long time, 
you know, men are always told like, don't show your emotions and you have to be like this and you have to be like that. And I don't know if you know the statistics, but actually construction is one of the highest rated in suicides for men um, in construction. And it's because it's been, you know, considered this good old boys. That's how it is. It's you are a man. You cannot be a certain way and have women though in the dynamic and being like bringing that emotion and it being a normalized thing. Cause you know, emotion doesn't mean like crying and freaking out. It means just being able to embrace like love and compassion and understanding. And women do have the innate nature to have that more freely versus I don't want to say all men, but some men. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. So we are running short on time, but since the producer stepped out and won't stop the recording anyway, we're going to go on with one more question. And I, and I will make a, a quick comment. So I used to own a residential and commercial painting franchise. And the general manager that I hired to run the company for me that did a fantastic job because I had, you know, this, mm-hmm. this is my, this is what I focus on for my company. She was amazing. And, and I, you know, I've had multiple companies where the managers are way better as women than men mm-hmm. in male-driven industries. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, I, yeah, I, I just think the stereotypes need to stop for sure. Yeah. Right. So, so quickly, uh, Patrick, just give us a, a snippet of what the future looks like. And then what I, th- I'm going to throw out there that we should have you guys back on in probably nine to 12 months and, and tell us where you are. Cause at that point, you guys, yeah, will have, be you know, <laughs> you finished your raise and you guys will be in a completely different, uh, you know, stratosphere at that point. So, yeah, um, absolutely. So you, you've, you've thrown out the, the term pitch deck a couple of times. You just mentioned raise, right? So we are currently, uh, looking to raise some funds as we, um, our goal right now, we're currently operating in six States, um, here in the Southwest, Arizona, Utah, Colorado, Nevada, California, and Texas. Um, we are wanting to expand nationwide. And part of that expansion growth right now and, and something we're in talks uh, to possibly doing is franchising the business. Um, so in part of that, um, we are looking to raise some investment funds, bring on some investment partners, um, will help, which will help us uh, be able to obtain those goals. Um, so that's ultimately our goal right now. Our goal is uh, the 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 sky's the limit. Um, you know, we we've uh, we started something two years ago, which I feel feel like both of us um, weren't quite sure how fast this thing was going to take off, and, and you know, and how big it was going to, how quick it was going to go. Um, but my point is, is now that we've actually have gra- gra- grasped it and, and wrapped our arms around it, we're we're along for the ride and we want to take this thing as, as far as it'll go. And, and right now we have clients on the East Coast um, from New York to Florida, Georgia. Uh, we have multiple clients reaching out, asking for services and to take our services to the East Coast. And so that's what we're focused on right now. And uh, so, yeah, that, that would be amazing to be able to come on in 12 months and to be able to look back and especially listen to the recording and, and say, wow, look how far <laughs> we've come just in the last 12 months. Because even look back 24 months ago. When we were we were sitting at a coffee shop 24 months ago uh, here in Tempe, uh, actually at a Starbucks, when we first decided, okay, like this is real. We both just quit our full time jobs to be entrepreneurs, um, and to think about that and where we are today is is amazing. So, yeah, yeah, I think it'd be great to have you back. So, Landon, bring us home. I tried to protect your voice as much <laughs> as possible. So, yeah, appreciate it. <clears throat> um, yeah, wow, that was that was incredible, guys. You guys have a really unique story, and honestly, I I wish we had another thirty minutes to an hour, you know, to 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 continue it. But we will certainly have you guys uh, back on. But just before we wrap up, guys, why don't you just tell um, tell us all where we can track you guys down, maybe as individuals, but also as a uh, company, uh, so that people can can find you if they want to. Oh, I was going to let you kick it off. Patrick, but I guess I'll go because he gave me the eyes. That's your thing. (laughs) Um, Okay. So for CPR construction cleaning, you know, you can find us um, on our website, cprclean.com, as well as we are very active on LinkedIn. You can find us on our page, CPR construction cleaning, as well as um, our Instagram and Facebook. And for me, myself, I am as well, very active on LinkedIn. Um, I am always promoting equality in all people and opportunity. So if you're interested in that kind of conversation, then definitely join my page. Also, you know, my Instagram page, but for Patrick, we try to get him to be more active on LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) 
mostly just a LinkedIn guy. I do a little bit of in, a little bit of Instagram, but mostly LinkedIn. Yeah. So awesome. we're, we're, we're exciting like that, I guess. We just really love that LinkedIn. I mean, honestly, though, we grew our company through LinkedIn, um, through, through, the, the, through the pandemic. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't say enough about utilizing that platform because it is the one place that your content will trend organically. So if you're not on there, LinkedIn, you should sponsor me because I'm sponsoring you. <laughs> Giving them a plug right now. <laughs> Got to do it. No, that's how we connected was was via LinkedIn or, yep. originally. I think, uh, you know, typically it's our outreach that gets a guest on the program. But I, I think I actually saw something that you had posted about your story. And I messaged mm-hmm. you and said, I love your story. We'd love to have you on the show. So you're absolutely right. From a business standpoint, LinkedIn is key. It's key for us for the podcast and it's key for us in our in our normal business as well. So, yeah. Social yeah. media is actually, people get scared of it, but if you know how to share your story, it will exponentially grow your, your company beyond what you think is even possible. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, thank you guys so much for the for the interview, for, for coming in studio and, and sharing your story. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank it you. It was good. It's great enjoyed being it. here. Get better, yeah. Landon. Thank you, guys. Uh, <laughs> thanks. appreciate it. You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, proudly hosted by Austin Peterson and Landon Mance. Austin and Landon are comprehensive financial planning professionals specializing in financial, estate, and succession planning for small business owners. Austin and Landon have offices in Scottsdale, Arizona, and Las Vegas, Nevada, and represent clients in 14 states throughout the country. Join Austin, Landon, and the Featured Tycoons live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. right here on Business Radio X and your favorite podcast platform.